So good evening, LCM. Tonight is February 24th, 2022. Let's get right to it. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and find verse 8. As you're turning there, say, proven. You guys ready? It says, remember Jesus Christ. I love how the scripture is so clear of what we should do. Right out of the gate, remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal Glory. Verse 11. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Do you want to reign with Jesus? Yes. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. Verse 14 says, keep reminding them of these things, which is why we're sharing it with you, to remind you of these things, to have them rolling through your mind so you can be reflecting on them. It says, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value. It and only ruins those who listens. So from the start tonight, we're just going to get rid of quarreling over words. He said, she said, this was interpreted wrong. We're going to throw that out the window and let the word of God guide our message this evening. And it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We stand before you this evening unashamed at what the Lord is doing in our lives, unashamed of the word that he's given us for the body. We want to rightly handle the word of truth. So Sunday, we were strengthened in the message by Pastor Wade and Pastor Nick that our devastations lead to resurrection power. Have you experienced more resurrection power or more devastation? Maybe it's different for each family, but I can promise you enduring will lead to resurrection power. Now, in reflecting on that message, we began to see our devastations and personal failures as opportunities to have resurrection power rise up and be on display for the whole world to see. These devastations are not our disqualifications. They are the very thing that are bringing about our qualification. Our troubles and trials are, in fact, our proving grounds, which is the title of tonight's message, Proving Grounds. And there are no secrets or hidden messages in this. We want to tell you very plainly tonight that the difficulties that you are enduring, the devastations that you are enduring, are your proving grounds. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 20 and say proven as you're turning there. All right, Deuteronomy 20, starting in verse 1. 
When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. Because the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, will be with you. Amen. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. If you don't know, now you know. That's right. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Yeah. Come on. Our goal this evening is to encourage our family to not fear the great difficulties that lie ahead of us. We are going to endure, persevere, and ultimately triumph over our enemies because the Lord our God is with us. This path of devastation and difficulty is the narrow door that the saints of the Most High have been forcing their way into for centuries. With that in mind, let's turn, turn with us to Luke 13, starting in verse 24. then. It's very clear from Deuteronomy 20. We don't want you to be afraid of the things of ahead. We actually want you to embrace them because they are your proving ground, an opportunity to put your faith on display. Listen to Luke 13, verse 24. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter it and will not be able to. Many are going to try. Many are going to fail. Only a few people are walking through the narrow door. Now the perpetual circumcising of our flesh and the devastations that remove the superfluous are shaping us in a way to be able to enter that door. We need to get rid of this outer shell of carnal flesh. And the only way to remove it is to endure the devastations and the refining fires that are from heaven that remove them supernaturally. When we resist the refining fires of our Father, we get a little too fat. We get a little too wide, a little too husky, and we're then not able to fit through the narrow door that leads to eternity with Jesus. We're shaping up in here. Now, I certainly want to enter that narrow door I want to enter it by tearing my soul to pieces, to having this carnal flesh removed, the things that are making me a little too wide, a little too husky and hefty, portly, as you might say, that are keeping me from entering that narrow door. I want them removed from my life because I want to spend an eternity with the King of Kings. I want to joyfully embrace the shaping process. I want to get down to my fighting weight. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to get my hands dirty fighting the Lord's battles. I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines claiming to be in Christ, but having allowed myself to escape the difficulties. Tonight, we declare that every ounce of sweat and tears being poured out is shaping us. We want to put on an I will strive to know Messiah till I collapse kind of mentality. I want to fight even agonize for the cause of Christ, making his name great and shouting his glory till my lungs collapse. 
Listen to Paul's confidence as he drops this truth on us from 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 7. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You may recall the Greek word for fought is agonizomai. That's good. Yeah. Got the microphone. Of course I did. <laughs> Meaning conflict to contend for victory, to fight, to wrestle, to persevere in the face of opposition. This is how we will approach the devastations we get to endure in the kingdom. Yeah. By fighting and wrestling to the very end. You see, when we agonize the good agony, daily dominance of our deviant desires, oh, come on. consistent crushing of our cowardice, timely takedowns of the terrifying taunts, we can stand firm and say with confidence, we have run a good race. We have finished and did not give way. One of the things Adam and I were talking about this afternoon as we were studying is whenever we are putting on our heavenly armor to fight the good fight, to agonize the good agony, when we are dressed in the heavenly armament, we want to look like men who are ready for battle. We're talking cut, fit to form, not some kind of muffin top, like uh, mall cop, just playing dress up so other people can be entertained. We want to be fitted now, to be shaped now, to get down to that fighting weight. And how we do it is not by fooling ourselves and lying to ourselves about our current state. I want to tell you about how I started my day this morning. Hannah and I take a Sabbath on Thursdays, and they're amazing days. First thing, feet on the floor. Hannah and I get in a fight. Ooh. Because it was a day of rest and we had good things to reflect on, Man, I wanted to smooth that situation over and just kind of, let's just move on. Let's get in the word. Let's start to pray. But the spirit of God moved on me to begin fighting for my wife instead of fighting against my wife to get over my pride and what I wanted to do with the day and wrestle and contend with the things that are going on in our hearts. And the Lord restored us gave us a new mind and a new way. He gave us a fresh start on the day. This is what it looks like to fight the good fight. Not making things look pretty, but letting that be your proving ground. I could be a coward right now, or I could use words to manipulate the situation to make it seem less sinful than it actually is, or I could say, I'm going to put my faith on display. The Parsons are going to put their faith on display. And they're going to begin to pray and praise the living God for the things that he's given us in our lives. And guess what? It actually takes effort. But when you put in the first step, the Lord is always faithful. Even when you are faithless. And he will bring in his presence and restore you. Amen. Now, this is my day. It didn't start out in glory. It didn't start out with the most amazing revelation. We had to get up and begin to fight the good fight. Man, there is an enemy. There is a flesh inside of me that wants to rip 
the presence of God, his promises from my life. And if I roll over and die for even a moment, they will be snatched away from me, even without me knowing. And we want to make the point tonight that those situations, like the one I'm sharing with you, are the proving ground. They are an opportunity to rise up in faith. And we're telling you this tonight because in the next days, the next weeks, the next couple years, there are going to be many opportunities to put your faith on display. And if we're not practicing doing that now, even in the small, small things, man, we're, we're in for a rude awakening when we're actually under persecution and trials. So my day went a little different. Um, me is fighting against internal taunts, taunts that I will never be able to accomplish a function or purpose that the Lord has for me. These are things that my flesh conjures up that are lies that want me to drip, drift into the depths of despair, to just hunker down in my little corner and just everything's okay. And it's a lie. Instead of letting the ease of mediocrity take hold of me, I decided to stand up, overcome, Amen. deadlift the weight of responsibility, and become the man of God I'm called to be. And standing here right now is a proven part of what this is happening in me. It's because we're contending with our weakness and we are using our weaknesses as an opportunity to let resurrection life come from us. It's why we are sharing this word with you. And we're not making our lives seem so great. We're actually showing the failure that led up to today. This isn't last week. This is today. Things that are allowing us, they were all opportunities for us to overcome and experience the resurrection power of God. It's because we want to win. We want to run like men who actually know where they're going. Amen. We want to fight the right opponents and let our devastations be the launching point for resurrection power. Amen. Moments like these are the proving grounds of faith. So this is the sentiment that Paul is expressing in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. As you're turning there, say proven. So 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Yeah. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to uh, get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. In my life, I am no longer fighting like a man who can't land punches. Amen. I'm training with Pigeon Punch and Peyton Parsons for crying out loud. Oh. Yeah. Best not come around here. I am dialing in my discernment to land the next haymaker on the enemy's face. That's right. I am no longer running without a purpose or a plan. Yeah. Psalm 119.31, I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. I will run after the kingdom with full confidence that the good Father will enlarge my heart and expand my abilities 
I will embrace every opportunity to have my faith proven genuine. And this genuine faith is needed to establish the proving ground for both me and my family. So listen to how Nehemiah addresses the people, and he turns the taunts of the enemy into a proving ground. Nehemiah 4, 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Nehemiah is seen here taking action to the opposition that is melting the hearts of his brothers and causing them to operate in inaction. As we know, it's not just our actions that are recorded, but it is also our inactions. And the taunts of the enemy are aimed at making you inactive in your faith because you are afraid. But look what Nehemiah does. He turns that on his head and says, I'm going to use those taunts as a proving ground. And he begins to call out to his brothers, his wa- the wives, people to fight for their homes and say, this is a proving ground. What a great opportunity for us to trust in our God and let him deliver us so that the nations know that those who stand with the God of Israel cannot rise up and win. Man, what an opportunity. Wouldn't it have been better if Nehemiah was just given a seal and he could hand it to the enemy and say, look what God wrote for me. Um, you should read it and accept it. That, that's not what happened because it would not make sense if they didn't have some kind of fear to overcome. Some kind of proving ground that they had to endure through. And it's the same for you, church. We have to have difficulties in our lives, even embrace them and make them a proving ground. Amen. Make every opportunity or take advantage of every opportunity that is given to us. Yeah, so that, that trust... Uh, and the overcoming. So Lincoln, about two weeks ago, some of you guys know, um, had a seizure. So we, uh, we just got back from a wonderful night with the Tisdales, uh, working in our function and ministering like we have never before. And uh, we get back and put Lincoln to bed. We're getting, Steph and I are getting ready for bed. It's maybe 30 minutes. Here's, hear a noise. We go in to check on him. I walk in. I'm like, man, dude, what you doing still awake? And... Um, I see that he's kind of on his belly. As I get closer to him, I see that he's, he's foaming at the mouth. And so there's immediate like, shoot, he's, he's having a seizure. And so for those that don't know, we had direction from the Lord to take him off of seizure medications. That is our step. We are off of one currently, and we're going to be off the other one in about another year or so. Amen. In faith, I'm still believing that is what yes. the Lord said, yes. and he will take him off of it. And... So I immediately, I scoop him up, I go into the guest room, call for Steph, Steph comes over, and uh, we immediately get to, get to trying to help him. And so my first thing is immediately, Lord, I need you. I need you right now. Lincoln typically doesn't turn super blue when he's having a seizure. He was more blue than I've seen him before. <laughs> Apparently he could feel his shades. And uh, so that caused, that caused some concern. That caused a, Lord, I need you to tell me, what are we doing? 
I need to know, am I, am I calling an ambulance? Are we taking, are we keeping him here? Lord, I, I don't want to move until I know exactly what you're, you want me to do. And there's a moment in this, there's a cause for concern. He, he could potentially die. There's a possibility. Trust in the Lord, waiting on him, getting clear direction like I've never gotten before. Trusting that I can go to him before I trust in my own strength to figure out what I need to do. For the first time, I felt more ready to stand up and take action than ever before in my life to fight for my son. Yeah. I have more weapons at my disposal than ever before. Yeah. It was not a panic or a traumatic event, but a prepared moment to demonstrate the effectiveness of what I've been given. He's encouraging me right now. The clarity to seek first the Lord, trust the Lord, is showing me what needs to happen next in real time with real decisions. This had an immediate effect on my wife. Steph sent me a text explaining while I was waiting in the hospital room how overwhelmed she was, how fearful she was in that moment. In the past, there have been times when Steph will take the lead there's times when uh, we would both be so fearful, it was like both of us were basically just one person together. But now, but now, yeah. steadfastness that was once lacking is no longer limp leadership, but a solid, firm growing endowment that the Lord is placing upon me. Yeah. Isn't that a powerful testimony? We all love the Koras, and we certainly love Lincoln. To see him in a helpless situation, man, I wouldn't wish that on any father, any brother, any mother. But the Koras have a firm foundation, and they took that, what the enemy meant for evil, and they said, this is a proving ground for us. We're going to stand in faith. We're going to contend with this situation and give glory to our God. And that is a display for everyone who is around us in this situation. Amen. I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of the Korah household. Amen. I want to share with you 1 Peter 1. This is where a lot of this began to brew in us as Adam and I studied on Wednesdays. It's 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to Him. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. All kinds of grief. All kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our faith 
is of greater worth than gold and is purified by fire. To that, I say, Lord, let my faith be proven genuine. Bring the fires because I want to know. And I also want to show you that I am devoted, that my faith is genuine. Lord, bring the trials that will allow me to prove it. I need proving grounds, Lord. And I see the struggles that you have given me. And I want to triumph so it results in praise, glory, and honor to my king. Where is the selfishness in that attitude? It is about his glory. But don't shy away for asking for those opportunities. Asking him to give you insight into your situation, into your job, into the things that are happening in your life and where faith needs to be enacted. Lord, how can I prove my faith in this moment so that it results in praise, glory, and honor? Listen to Psalm 66, 8 through 12. Say, prove me, Lord, as you turn there. Prove me, Lord. So Psalm 66, starting 8. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. But you brought us to a place of abundance. The Lord is giving us the devastations we need. They are our proving grounds. Every difficulty is an opportunity to have the genuineness of your faith proven. Yeah. So as we turn to Romans 5, check out the groundwork that is being laid in order for our faith to be proven. Does everyone here tonight want your faith to be proven genuine? It's precious as gold. Romans 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Man, church, do you want perseverance? Do you want character? Do you want hope? Well, it all starts with suffering. It all starts with you having a a realization of your proving grounds and then getting to work. We're going to go to Habakkuk and recount some of the things that we covered on Sunday's message. But if you're still waiting for the left hook, that is, what, what point are they actually making? That is the hook. You need to have a revelation about your situation and where your faith can be proven genuine. If you're tied into this body, you know there are some pretty difficult things that people are going through. We got children that their lives are on the line. 
children that we are losing, jobs that we are losing. We have people persecuting us. We have situations that are happening we had no control over, and we do not understand why. Well, we can get into the details and try to figure out or calculate some kind of answer or response to it, or we can get on our face before the living God and say, I see this as an opportunity to prove that you are my God and my faith is genuine. And I want it to result in praise, glory, and honor to your name and nothing else. I want to receive nothing for my situation except praise and glory and honor to you, my king. Are you guys in Habakkuk 3, 16? Proven. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Come on, church. Habakkuk, to this opportunity uh, to have his faith and hope in Adonai proven. proven. Yet I will rejoice I will be joyful. Come on. How is there rejoicing and joy in these situations dominated by devastating death? He is experiencing resurrection yeah. power. Come on. God was so good to Habakkuk. He brought him to the necessary events in his life that were required for him to ex experience death. Those seasons of testing that we all need. And then God caused him to learn to fight so he could then experience the resurrection from the dead, and have his faith proven genuine. Church, there is nothing more powerful than a man who has wrestled with the Lord, wrestled with his word, has had his faith proven genuine because of God's goodness and power and empowerment in his life, and then having the chutzpah to stand up and testify about it. This is how the gospel has spread through the centuries. Not through neatly packaged words and quips and jokes, but an authentic experience where the Lord delivered someone. Just like Adam. Just like me. Something the Lord has authentically done. And we get to testify to his goodness. That the Lord will not fail those who trust in him. And now, I'm, I'm just drawn to the opportunity to do it again. Lord, I want the worst. I want the most difficult because I know that you will not let my foot slip. And it's just an opportunity to have my faith proven genuine and your name be glorified. Listen to what Hebrews 11 says about Moses. This is Hebrews 11 verse 24. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose. Say chose. chose. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God 
rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses chose to be mistreated, and so must we. As a matter of fact, God's people always choose to be mistreated because that proves that we are regarding disgrace for the sake of Christ as a treasure worth more than all this world has to offer. Did you notice why Moses suffered disgrace? For the sake of Christ? Thousands of years before Jesus was even born, Moses had the faith to endure mistreatment for the sake of the Messiah who would come. And all the difficulties, all the mistreatment were just his proving grounds because he was a man of faith. Listen to 2 Corinthians 11 as we listen to Paul's reflection on this. 2 Corinthians 11 and picking up in verse 23. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. And in danger from false brothers. Lots of danger. Lots of danger. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressures of my, of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast on the things that show my weaknesses. All that was simply a proving ground for Paul. Paul's life as an example of proven genuineness, how to fight the good fight, how to run the race marked out, not wavering in difficulty or hardships, whether in the mind or the body. He can boast in his weaknesses because he knows that they only validate his genuine faith in Jesus and the resurrection power that marks every event in his life. Amen. Listen to Philippians 3.17. I'm just going to read it to you. We're not going to stay here very much longer. We're going to approach a close because an altar call is an opportunity to have your faith proven genuine. But listen to Philippians 3.17. Join with others in following my examples, brothers. And take note, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. You know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? We can't love anything that this world has to offer us because the reality is it has nothing to offer us at all unless 
If we embrace those things, then we just prove that we're a pushover and a sellout. But the things in the world, as they oppress us, we can use as an opportunity to have our faith proven genuine because we don't desire those things. We're not even enticed by them. Cowardice should make us sick. Backing away from hardship, backing away from a situation that you know is wrong in your family or in your life, it's, it's cowardice that should be sickening to us. We should instead view those as opportunities to have our faith proven genuine simply by just doing something about it. You may not even have all the answers of how to address a situation, but setting an inaction and just letting things get worse and worse and worse is not going to fix the situation. But a humble attitude before the king of kings, asking him to help you as you contend and fight the good fight in your life, man, it'll allow your faith to be proven genuine. LCM, we have a pattern before us. It said, take note of those who live according to the pattern. You have a pattern before you. We have those who uphold the standards of the word of that pattern, and they tirelessly work to advance it in this body. It's what we're all doing collectively. We are tirelessly working to advance this standard so that every single person in LCM, in the One Association, everyone that we encounter and bring into the kingdom, man, we want them to take note of this pattern so when they are faced with trials and afflictions, their faith is proven genuine just like ours is. We don't want to be evangelizing the world. I don't want to go to the Middle East and preach the gospel to create a large group of people who have a fake faith. What is that worth? It's worth nothing to Jesus. We have to teach and live out a pattern of life that says, I will endure the hardship and the affliction no matter the cost so that faith can be proven genuine in me. And I pray for more opportunities to put faith on display so that the name of Jesus is glorified through my actions. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Uh, adding more to Lincoln's testimony is he's, he's uh, laying in bed, kind of recovering and uh, reading through many of the scriptures that I'm sharing, we're sharing with you guys tonight. And um, reading over this, recognizing his body that's perishable, his broken body that's perishable, will be clothed with the imperishable. Yeah, come on. Our broken bodies that are perishable will be clothed with the imperishable. Yes. It's this cause of hope that's rising up in us that no matter the circumstances, no matter the difficulties that we're facing, 
This is drawing us into this proven ground that our faith is being tested. We are being proven of who we are. Because of that, I will not let, I will let nothing deter, deter me. Yeah. I will press on to the work of the Lord despite the difficulties. No difficulty, no obstacle will consume or overtake me. I know where my hope lies. These helpless situations are my proving ground. They're our proving ground. And I glory in the chance to display faith before my king when I am in the face of opposition. So when the difficulties come, when the trials and sufferings and devastations come, what will the genuineness of your faith look like? Will you run from the difficulty? Will you escape to a safe place to avoid a fight, to avoid a battle? Will you just wait it out until everything is back to normal, yet you never really regain your footing? Will you ignore the very thing that the Lord wants to use to prove your faith? Now, we have been told we will go to war. So why are you surprised? Why are you surprised that these things are happening to you? Why are you surprised that your walk is difficult and met with ample amounts of opposition? It's because the Lord wants to give you a proving ground so that his name is glorified in your life, so that he receives honor and glory. This is what we need to get tonight. We need to get an attitude and a mentality that says, I will endure everything for the sake of Christ and do it until my lungs collapse, until my body gives out, until I can go no further. And then resurrection power will fill you, raise you to life so that you can do it again and again and again. We want to remind you of a prophecy from Sunday as we get ready to close. The prophecy said, my favor is on the elders of this house. My eyes are watching over them, and I will not allow the work to be stopped. There is no king to send a message to but me. I have heard the adversary's demands. I have heard his plans that the walls will be broken down, that the sacrifices will cease. But the Lord God of heaven says they will not. I will transform you in this process. My eyes are on you. They are on the elders of your people. And I will not allow this work to cease. Rather, it will rise by my command. It will rise by my mighty right hand and it will bring me glory. Because it will come by my will, my determination. And all men will say, God has done this and not man. This was Sunday. How many trials have you endured since Sunday? Is the landscape of your life drastically different? It's because the Lord is giving you an opportunity to have your faith proven. And the response is not to pick the details out of the situation and find what's good. No, it's to turn your face to him and rise up and praise and honor and give glory to the living God. And then he will answer from heaven exactly what you need. You may recall James 5. 
says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. What is a righteous man's life marked by? Proven faith. You may recall that this word for sick doesn't mean you have the sniffles. It means sick as in having weak faith. Meaning having been put in a situation where you feel failed outright. Or being put in a situation where you are struggling with the ability to begin to praise God. And your faith is actually dampened by a struggle and not lit on fire by the fires of heaven. I want to encourage you. In those areas where you know you have weak faith, you do not have to stay there. It's because we have elders in this house. We have righteous men in this house who can lay hands on you and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. James 2, or James 1, verse 2, says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, having faith that is proven, not lacking anything. Talking to all the families in here. Everything you've experienced this week. All the difficulties. Losing of children. Having a disadvantaged situation that you have no control over. It's your proving ground. It's a chance to put your faith in action. And all the details will be worked out in their time, but tonight... We can begin to give God praise and glory and honor to his name for giving us an opportunity to have our faith proven genuine. And if your faith is hurting tonight, you don't have to stay that way. Because men of God can lay their hands on you and pray and in faith you will be healed. If we can have the elders come up to the front. ready to pray for those who are hungering and thirsting and want healing in their faith who want to be strengthened so that their faith can be proven we say this often in altar calls don't miss your opportunity don't wait don't wait it's because it's very easy to let moments like this pass you by but in the name of Jesus I say no more no more for my life no more for this body Every time the Spirit of God moves on us, 
every time that the word of God is spoken, we should view it as an opportunity to say we believe in what the word of God says. We believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit and I will make action on it now. I will get up now and begin to praise the living God because he is worthy of all of my reverence, all of my praise. This altar call can become for you a proving ground. Right up here, this can be your proving ground where you choose to rise up in faith and make your move of obedience towards the Lord so that he can heal you and restore you. Now as we pray, consider your next act of obedience and then make it the focal point of your life. The most important thing, the most monumental step you could ever make because every day we have an opportunity to prove that we have faith in Jesus. But tomorrow's not here yet. We're in right now. So what does your act of obedience look like right now? Respond as we begin to pray. Holy One, we cry out to you. We respond to you. Lord, blessing your name. Saying you are good, mighty one. Saying thank you for these devastations for these difficulties for the trials for the things that have been brought into our life we have no control over lord strengthen us that we might make these an opportunity to have our faith proven genuine lord will you help us lord by your holy spirit strengthen us in the midst of the difficulty lord that every word and every action might be a testimony to our belief and our trust in you. May your name be glorified in our lives.